You're listening to Heart Food Radio, Episode 2 with Loretta Pardo. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, your body, your body image, and your mind, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show is meant to inspire you and make you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin. Hey guys, so this is a really special episode. It's with my mom. And the reason that I wanted to have her on, and especially so early, is because food and body image really created a huge wedge between my mom and I as I was growing up and through my teenage years. And I'd say probably up until, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And this podcast is so special to me because even though my mom and I, like we talk about in the episode, have a great relationship now and we love to hang out and stuff. We never really talked about the details of what our relationship used to be like. And this episode was really healing for me because when I asked her to be on, we kind of had a couple hour discussion, just bringing everything to light and saying, this is how I felt and this is how I felt and really hearing each other in this regard. And that's not an easy thing to do, but... Like I said, I really got a lot of healing and I found it really meaningful and I'm so happy that she was open to coming on because obviously I'm super open about what I do and my passions and everything and people approach me and they say, what can I do to help my daughter with her nutrition and her body image? And even women come to me and say, how can I heal my relationship with my mom because of things that have happened in the past and food and body image really get in the way sometimes of having a really clear and open, you know, um, dynamic between mothers and daughters and parents and daughters. And, you know, my parents are definitely like many other parents where there's one really relaxed one, which is my dad and kind of tough love disciplined one, which is my mom. And, When I was growing up, my mom and I really had a lot of friction because she never let me like get complacent or um, be in my comfort zone. I always had to be better and stronger and do more things, which at the time I really hated, obviously, but it really made me into this tenacious person that I am today. And it's only until recently that I see the fruits of her labor, I guess you could say it sounds kind of weird, but you know, but for real, she instilled so many different things within me. And it's because of how much she pushed me and how much she made me get out of my comfort zone as a child. And I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Please share it if you can with people that are struggling with this sort of thing. Um, Again, I want to bring more awareness around this subject. I might create a course, maybe do a workshop or something. Um, But know that if you're going through something that we are a prime example of how you can really heal your relationship, mother-daughter relationship, you know, parent-child relationship, if it has been affected 
buy food. Um, we are in a really good place now. And again, I'm so grateful to my mom for having the willingness and the openness to have such an open hearted conversation with me. So hope you guys enjoy listening. Be sure to subscribe and to give us a five star review. The first guest that I'm having on my show, my mom, you can go ahead and say hi. Hi, everyone. My name's Loretta. And I it's a pleasure for me to be to join you today. So that's my mom, Loretta Pardo. And this is a really special episode for me because we have really gone through a lot in our lives together. And I can really say that my mom is one of the reasons, probably the biggest reason, you know, that I am where I am today. And the person that really shaped me and groomed me to become this hardworking person that I am. She's really instilled so many things in me. And like I said, we've really gone through a lot together, specifically with our relationship and my relationship with food, mostly when I was younger. Um, but we really, I'm really passionate about the subject of um, mother daughter nutrition, relationship with food, relationship with body. I just think that it's something that as mothers, we can really help our children to exemplify and show how to have a good relationship with food and then carry that, you know, so the daughters can carry that later. And we always had different viewpoints around food and our eating habits, which ended up causing a lot of friction for us um, throughout my childhood and teenage years. And we're going to talk about that. And this isn't meant to vilify moms or anything like that. We just want to bring awareness around this topic. We want to talk about the lessons learned that we had, the wisdom of time and how through time a lot of things can be healed, a lot of things can be brought to light. And once you kind of bring bring things into awareness, you can really heal yourself through those things. And I'm happy to say that now we really do have an amazing relationship. Um, I really do consider my mom to be my best friend. I tell her everything. We're super close. She is a huge, huge influence on me. I can't emphasize that enough. But we want to talk about our relationship because, like I said, we're in a really good place now. And our relationship has really transformed through the years. So... Where do we start? <laughs> um, let's see. How how would you describe... So we're going to talk about food. We're going to talk about relationships with food and our bodies and everything. So let's just start right at the beginning. You know, how would you describe your relationship with food growing up with what you were taught, what you ate with your body? You know, start from like from the moment that you can remember. Oh, goodness. It's a long time ago. <laughs> I can share with you that in both sides of our family, and even as we were growing up, we came from families where we would eat whatever whatever was served to us as chi- as children. And I you had three siblings, also. and I, and I had I have three siblings. I uh, have two brothers and a sister, and we grew with. In, in first of all, in Honduras, where I was born, and later in Nicaragua, where we uh, ended up moving um, after after I was seven. 
But growing up, I um, I started dancing ballet, and I danced ballet for about eight years. And side note, she was like in the newspaper for <laughs> being a ballerina. She was like one of the best in, in Nicaragua. In like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I think that if you th- if you think of that perspective that ballerinas normally take, looking thin and restricting sometimes food in order to be thin is part of what you're ingrained uh, as a ballet dancer. So that actually became part of how I, my relationship with food when I was, when I was growing up, nothing to do with my mom or my dad, but mostly because of the fact that I was dancing ballet and ballerinas are thin. It's the uh, perception that um, that you have well, it's uh, and be that like, becomes you. It's to be like thin and graceful right. and light. Right. Um, and I refer to my grandmother as Pocky. So if we talk about her, that's what we're going to um, say her name as. But uh, so Pocky didn't inflict anything no, on you really. No, and you guys, no. I imagine, you know, especially Nanita, who is Pocky's mom, my mom's grandmother, had a farm. So you always like were you know, had that like kind of fresh food, right? Oh, yes, yes. I mean, my my grandmother, uh, as Ashley just shared, had a farm that was primarily uh, cattle. And there were in the farm, there were a lot of uh, fruits. And it was the moment when um, my mom came from a very large family. So we had 28 cousins just on the side (laughs) of my mom. First cousins, First cousins, yeah, first cousins, 28, where we would get together and play and it was probably one of the funnest times in my life. And in that farm, she had all sorts of fruit. Uh, she had um, cashew fruit. Oh, she yeah. had very exotic fruits and um, tamarinds. And so we grew up, and, and the times that we would be getting together with a family, uh, it was about play, and it was about eating, mm-hmm. uh, and it was all healthy, you know, very healthy stuff. Yeah, yeah. well, fresh farmed from the ground, not a lot of processed no, stuff. No, I mean, we literally Nothing. would get the milk from the cows. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And have like tortillas. And, yes, and beans. And, and beans and, and cheese. You know, obviously things were prepared and spiced and stuff, but nothing like packaged. No process. Yeah, no, no. Nothing. In fact, growing up, my mom cooked and we had also people that would help her cook. And it was always fresh food. Yeah, uh, both for lunch and dinner. So that was always really instilled in you. It was always instilled. And that's something that you still do to this day, oh, yes. which is where, yes. you know, obviously I get that from as well. Yeah. Um. So no messages from your parents. So growing up, I imagine your relationship with food was like fr- really, maybe you didn't even think about it. You I know? didn't. Like no, free, I didn't. easy. Yeah. And in fact, there was a moment in my life when after I graduated from high school, and most people when they go to college, you know, this happens to them, but I happened to have gone to England and I did not like, this was in the late 70s and London, Britain was not the food capital that it is today. So your meals were primarily vegetables with no salt, mm-hmm. boiled with no salt uh-huh. uh, or any 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 sort of spices, and uh, and and meat and food that I was not accustomed to eating. So I literally the the time that I was in undergrad school in in England, I literally ate 
biscuits and chocolates. So I, <laughs> I put in a lot of weight the first year, but you know, it quickly went down. I, I never really had difficulty yeah. in in putting weights. And, and I've not really been a person to go much on diets. Yeah, even now. Even like, now. You know, she maintains herself and my mom's not like me who has like specific food, like intolerances and who follows them she really eats everything she eats sugar like she drinks wine yeah and i believe a lot of in moderation yes that's always been my mantra it's moderation of food exactly and her and my dad travel a lot i mean they eat everything they try everything my mom makes like ina garten recipes every single weekend she's my she's my favorite chef and (laughs) ashley (laughs) well like with butter i mean like no restriction nothing so um but going back to what you were talking about with the ballet was that the first time that you were really exposed to like those ideas of thinness and restriction it was it was and 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 it was really what influenced me to continue to be very thin yeah and to look at myself as having to be thin because I was dancing ballet exactly now that mind you this was not professional ballet so this was literally when I was growing up as a teenager yeah 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 and would they explicitly tell you like don't eat or no no there weren't directions as far as that it was just you know the fact that you the the image of a ballerina was to be thin okay and so it was self-imposed yeah okay wow so then and was that common amongst like yes, the other was. ballerinas. Yeah. I was probably the oldest of the class always. Okay. And uh, but the people that were and it was a very small group. The people that were in the class were um for for the most part were people that were very thin. Okay. And that sort of stayed with you. It I stayed think. with me. Even it's, until you know, yeah. now I'd say. Yeah. You I know? mean ballet does a, a a lot of good things too. Yes, There's well, the discipline of the dance. Yes. There's which the I know exercise. That it, it, Right, I see that in yeah, you now. That great. hardworking yes. discipline. Um, yeah. But um, after you finished ballet and you went to you went to college, you graduated from college. You also like didn't drink in college. No, had, I like, we'd go to the pubs juice. and it was pineapple yeah. juice <laughs> for for many many years. Yeah, I really didn't start drinking until I was probably in my late thirties or forties. No, wasn't it when you met my dad? Not even then. Oh, wow. No. Okay. I would have virgin pina coladas. Oh, my gosh. Okay. (laughs) So, um, so even when I was younger, you wouldn't drink, really? No, no. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so then your relationship with food after that, it was still the way it is now, right? It was still like, kind of eat everything. I mean, I've never seen you say like, hold this dressing on the side. No. No, you know. I just, it's, I eat less. Yeah. I, and I've always, in f- particularly now, for the most part of my life, actually, if I think about it, I've always believed that I, I stop eating when I'm full. So I yeah. really, I've always been very aware when I'm full, I stop. I can't, I can't eat anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, and it's always been, it's always, it's always been easy for me. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people take a long time to even have that awareness yes. of hunger and fullness and things like that. Um, but I've noticed that in you, that you are very mindful in that sense of, yeah. you know, the portions and enjoy really having like an attitude of enjoyment yeah. of everything. 
and no restrictions no. Um, in terms of what you eat. But again, that mindfulness around like portion sizes and really listening to your body because after a certain point it gets uncomfortable. Right. And a lot of people have like issues. A lot of people have issues um, when they emotionally eat or they binge eat. And I've never seen you do that ever in no. my life either. No. Um, it's, 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 I, I can't explain why. Maybe because it was the way that we were raised, you know, exactly. with my mom just, you know, always, always eating fresh cooked meals and uh, no restrictions on the food. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, and, and I think the discipline of the ballet too. Exactly. Uh, might have contributed to, to that, to that mindfulness or that, the part about um, just stopping, knowing when to stop mm-hmm. eating uh, by listening to my stomach. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. makes sense, you know. Um, okay, so when so we've established that you your relationship with food, growing up, and your body, and things like that. Now, when I was born, um, what did you have? And I know we kind of talked about this off air, but when I was born and you obviously didn't know if I was going to have, if you were going to have a daughter, I think with boys, it's a little bit different because they have more of a freeing relationship with food. Even like my dad will overeat a lot sometimes. And (laughs) to him, it's like no big deals. He's like, whatever, I gained eight pounds. I had fun. You know, there's no like shame or guilt associated with it. Um it's just about fun and enjoyment and whatever. Like, there's no, like, emotional repercussion to eating. With men, for the most part, I know a lot of men do suffer from that mental stuff. But um, with boys, I think it can be easier. So before, like, before having children, did you think about how you would raise them in regards to food? No, I think from that standpoint, Ashley... It wasn't intentional because of the way that we were raised, because of the way that I was, mm-hmm. I automatically assumed that that was the natural. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's the way that it would naturally happen. Yeah. Okay. So it would just evolve naturally. It, right. Um, and And then again, when I was born, did you notice any, like... How was it like feeding me when I was a baby and things like that? Was it easy? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now you you did. Um, you were very. You were always very sensitive um, with and milk. Still. Oh yeah, and still. And still are. And <laughs> I don't it was. Eat milk. You were. It was always very easy for you to cry or get sick. And the first thing that would happen was projectile vomiting. I mean, it was. <laughs> and we had you checked, and there was nothing. We couldn't. There wasn't anything that we could find at the time, but. That was your, again, either when you would cry mm-hmm. or, or when you would get sick. It was the stomach that that yeah, you know, um, was first affected. And that's something that I still see to this day. Like yeah. super sensitive. I can't eat so many foods. Just having like a funny image in my head of like a baby yes. <laughs> in the crib, projectile, <laughs> vomiting. Um, so. When did you notice that you had to kind of step in to tell me to get start giving your opinion on the way that I was eating? I, I think 
it started when when you were starting to become a teenager, maybe mm -hmm. a year or two before you turned 13, maybe around 10, 11. Uh -huh. And um, you'd like to eat, you enjoyed eating. Yes, always. Yes. Still. And, um, and so being raised the way I was, my initial reaction and my instinct, instinctual, uh, instinctual reaction would be to to say when you're full or, you know, don't eat as much, yeah. right? Yeah, don't eat yeah, as much. Yeah. So there was more around the restriction. And it was around the time that you, right before your teenage years. Okay. And we should note that um, growing up, we were, my well, I have a sister who's five years younger than me. And growing up, my sister and I had both sets of grandparents. Yeah. Both sets of grandparents were actually friends um like back in the day whenever that was and before that's, before before my before husband and us, i met yeah. yes well that's how they met because uh, yes. yeah. my grandparents were friends so we grew up with um you know all of our holidays like everybody together there was no like mom side and dad side it was like everybody together always but my parents both you know have always worked uh full-time jobs so my grandparents would pick us up from school and I had a Cuban grandma, my dad's mom, who would cook like insane meals as a snack. Like <laughs> she like, loved to cook and yeah. she loved to eat. She yeah. was a very she loved happy woman. Feeding people. That was like her thing. She lived yeah. to feed people, to make excellent food. Um so I would go there after school and that was like my free time to yeah. be like, yes, I get to eat my meal. Yeah. You know? And then with Paki too. I yes. mean, the, the, the lucky thing is that you, you guys would always eat fresh food. Also home cooked yeah. meals always. actually, always yeah. growing yeah. up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Restaurants. I mean, we would go to restaurants, right. but like the main staple was, yes. was home cooked food. So yeah. we would even eat dinner a lot of the times at, at my grandparents' house and, and at my grandma's house and things like that. Um, so what, what were the types of things that you would do and what was going through your mind when I didn't want to stop eating? Right. You know? Well, so I couldn't understand for me yes. because, because I automatically assumed, right. You know, there is, there's no book for parenthood. Yeah. So I automatically assumed that you would do this, would be the same way that I was, which yes. was knowing when to stop eating. Yes. And so... I think that that's, you know, that's when it, I forgot the question. Oh, what, what, um, was the first thing that you did or that you noticed when I wouldn't stop eating, you know, like when you noticed like she's overeating, she's eating too much. What was the first thing that you did? You would tell me, right? Right. Yes. So uh, so yes, I would ask you not to eat as much. Yeah. And, um, and, and in our home, actually, there was never any snack, hardly ever did we have the snacks, processed the processed foods. No, yes. Never. Yeah, never. So, so it was, so it was more around um, the, the, um, the, res the restriction, if you will, but it was, it was, it was restriction on in terms of how much of the quantity of the quantities, uh, and even the type of food that you 
yeah that you wanted to eat exactly and i also have to note that like our body types are also very different very different yeah my mom is really thin like she could probably fit into like size 16 child no <laughs> you know <laughs> but she's very small and i have more of my sister and i have more curvy athletic like i've always had really athletic legs bigger bigger butt um bigger i mean just a larger body overall just curvier yeah so and, and I've that, been and like that comes that. from your side, um, your dad's side of the family. Yes, yes. For bo- both sides, um, grandfather and grand- yes, grandmother. Yes, <laughs> Just Latin, you know. Um, so we had different body types. And like I said, when I was a child, and I was telling you this the other day, that I didn't even like notice what a hunger or fullness sig- signal was right. when I was younger. To me, it was like, this is pleasure time you know to eat my food and to feel like I knew going into a meal that I was gonna feel really full and probably really uncomfortable afterwards so I never like realized that you could stop eating that you could like leave food on your plate that you wanted to for me it was like finish it all the time and I think the fact that like I heard you saying like hey stop eating being a teenager at the same time, what does that mean? Right. You know? You're going to want to do the opposite. Exactly. Yes. And, and and for me, not it, it was a, really a lack of understanding yes. that we were very different. Yeah. And um, really shifting my approach to to fit where you were. Which exactly. Which was n- not something that happened yes <laughs> at the time no it didn't happen at the time and so I learned from a young age that like food certain foods weren't allowed that I was only allowed to eat or not allowed because I would still eat what I wanted to but it would have been better or I should stop eating and because of because I had that mindset in the back that just drove me to eat more right to eat behind your back. I mean, yeah. you found spoons. Yeah, in your bedroom, under your bed, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is really real because this is the type of stuff. And I remember that. I remember sneaking food. I remember, like, if we would go on vacations yeah. and there were buffets, yeah. that yes. was, like, the best. You were in paradise. Yeah, yeah. paradise <laughs> with food because I'm, like, Oh my God, I can eat like literally going to like the character Disney buffets and getting like literally five, four or five plates for breakfast, covering my waffles in chocolate sauce and M&Ms for breakfast with bacon and potatoes. Like I'm going all in. And like I said, I had no connection or no awareness that this wasn't going to make me feel good. I remember, I don't even remember not feeling well. But I didn't even have an awareness like, hey, if you eat like something else, you'd probably feel fine. But for me, it was like a free for all. It was always like either restricting or binging, you know, and this was a time of binging. And that's what I would do every vacation, every time that we were like at a party going to friends houses, I would go to my best friend Michelle's house and we would get like uh, the box brownies. We would make the box brownies and like I would eat half of the container because it was free for all time because once I knew once I went home I knew my mom would kind of you know jolt me awake and be like this isn't good for you what you're doing and just as like a side note it was always like in really good intention 
You know what I mean? Like, I think moms, when this happens, I think they always want the best for their children. But it's just such a sensitive subject that that it can be really difficult to get that point across without making it weird, you know, or without creating some sort of like head thing where you have this weird relationship with food. So I would always, like I said, sneak food and do all of these things. And um, it caused a lot of tumult between us, you know, it was a lot of friction. And that's mainly what we fought over most of the time. And we didn't see eye to eye. It was a really tough time. And, um, you know, then I ended up going to college. And when I was in college, (laughs) I was like, you know, again, still zero awareness around food or anything. When I was in college, I ended up, you know, I lived in my own apartment with some friends and I would have my empty cupboards and empty refrigerator and I'm like I can just do whatever I want so I just ate whatever I wanted I could fill stuff with you know with things that were allowed um in my house everything was allowed and I would you know I ended up gaining 40 pounds during that time in college and that was the heaviest that I ever was just because I still had that you know binging mindset that um had created the conflict between us, right? Yes, exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. exactly. So, um, so yeah, so it, and it's very difficult, I would imagine, as a mother to see your child kind of going through that and not knowing wh- what to do. No, no, and I ended up, um, I ended up uh, suggesting to Ashley that she go uh, see a doctor that could help her actually lose weight. Yeah. But, um, un- unfortunately, part of what he did was also um, not just not just the diet, but it was also diet pills. Yes, which I ended up taking for a little bit, and I didn't always take them in it. And you had also sent me to see a nutritionist. Yes. But all of this was like, I knew you were trying to help me. Um, because you took me there and, and everything. Um, but again, I didn't really understand at that point at 20 or 18 or whatever age I was that, um, that the weight was a result of emotional problems on my part. You know what I mean? Um, and acting out those emotional problems through food because, we were talking the other day too that when you know you have full time jobs yeah. in a family, yeah. Um, through you know the dad works, the mom works. You have young children. Right. You told me a couple days ago for the first time ever that while we were growing up, you didn't have like a second to yourself. Right. I mean, you're you're wrapped around um, as a mother. You're wrapped around this, particularly if you're a work full time working mother. Which she was. Which I was. And um, and and even as lucky as I was to have both my mom and my mother-in-law helping with with the girls, you're, you're still in this world of uh, go, go, go. And having then to deal with a conflict that was going on between Ashley and I, I... I, I, um, I didn't have the patience. And part of it, as I... As I think about it, it was it was because you don't have time to just sit and think. 
you're you're in the go mode and so you want to be able to solve for things quickly, quickly. and that's kind than, of your personality even it to is this it day. is also part of my personality you know my mom yes. is very focused very driven um she can get things accomplished very quickly and i'm the opposite i do things like really <laughs> yeah, so slowly they're, they're i'll still i'll still get them yes. done but i just move at a different pace um but i just thought that that was really interesting because here i am a little bit older than you were when you had me yes you know so and i'm like super self-care person i'm like sleeping and reading so to think that you didn't have a moment for yourself because you were so focused on us and yeah. the house yeah. and stuff yeah there's 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 the guilt of having to uh, take time for you which moms i think still yeah experience to this yeah, day i i believe so and um so there was a guilt of having to take time for you when you are working when you're home you know you want to be able to give the as much time to your kids as possible and so um again it, it's it's getting wrapped around the uh the, the lifestyle of um of just being unmindful yes and also like right now we see a resurgence in mindfulness right in meditation in awareness in yoga all of yes. these things now are becoming a really prevalent part of our, of our culture but back then even though these are all ancient practices yes. like nobody talked about that no. especially like in a latin culture yes like yeah right yeah it, it wasn't uh, there, there was not not that awareness exactly mm -hmm. so um i just thought that that was really interesting yeah that you had told me that because then it things kind of make sense to me because if you're moving around all the time you just want to like get things done and go yeah. from place to place and yeah. the, get the house clean yeah. and stuff it can be difficult yeah and and these are not excuses but it was what happened yeah. and uh, and over time you get to be wiser as yes. you get older <laughs> and um and and you get to be able to reflect upon what's happened um, yeah absolutely and um what was the thing that i was gonna say next um so after I ended up uh, after college going on or during college, I kind of like looked at myself and I was like, I do not recognize myself. Like what I've done to myself. I ended up almost weighing 200 pounds at that point, almost just because, like I said, I was eating and also drinking a ton, eating total junk at three in the morning, going out to different restaurants and you know, doing stuff and being with my friends and baking cakes and eating them. And I didn't feel good. And I didn't know back then what it was like to even have an ounce of awareness of an ounce of like what it's like to feel good in your body, to move in your body, things that I have like a whole business right. centered around now. I think that that business was born out of feeling so bad and... Um, I think another point is that, and this is something that I try to teach in general, that if you, that your motivation for getting better and changing your life has to be intrinsic. Intrinsic. It can't be from someone telling you or forcing you or trying to, even though, like I said, there's a good intention, it can't come from that. And if it does come from that, it won't last forever. It'll never be sustainable. So you, until you really, I have experienced this myself 
I know so many people that have gone through this too, unless you really want it, it's never going to get done. Right. Ever. So I think that I just was sick of myself at that point. And um, I also get it, started getting more into cooking. Um, and I realized that I could still cook like healthy things that could be really good. So I ended up finding Weight Watchers. At this point, I was still kind of eating everything, always having my digestive issues and stuff. Um, but I really got a hold of like portion control and I was like, you know, I loved counting my points and everything, but I still did not deal with those emotional issues. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I lost that weight, which was when I was about 21. Yeah. Um, because I ended up moving to, uh, Tampa away from home for a job after I graduated college, I ended up gaining like 30 pounds because mm-hmm. I still had not, you know, those 30 pounds back. Um, not quite at the point where I was like when I first, my freshman year of college, but still not comfortable. So I still hadn't really touched that emotional point of myself to really kind of figure things out for myself for the long haul. Um, so then after that, I think we reached a point where I told you like, we're never talking about my body again. We're never going to talk about food. We're never going to have a conversation about my body until we're in a better place, like together until we can understand each other better. Um, and since then (laughs) I I was telling you the other day, we've never talked about bodies. Yeah. No. And I think, you know, you were obviously older then and you were setting your boundaries and I think it was the right thing to do. Actually. Yeah. And I also went to therapy like just on my own and, um, I started really getting into more levels of mindfulness, more levels of awareness because I was sick of dieting and kind of being on that really extreme black and white. And I think it's important for mothers to know that it's okay if the daughters set set that boundary and not to take offense to that because it's something I think that as you heal your relationship with food, if you had... um, some issues with your mother growing up or whatever my healing had to take place kind of like separate from yeah from you in that sense right you know um because again then the motivation wouldn't be intrinsic right it would still have that influence that voice in the back of my head which I really had to separate in order to really heal myself and get to the place to where I am now you know like over many years Mm -hmm. you know it's not like it's an overnight thing yeah um and I just think that that's really interesting so that's you know we kind of stopped talking about bodies we still talked about food obviously and and recipes and cooking but after I told you that I never felt like weird around you again in regards to food or eating yeah well Um, I I I I respected what the boundary that you had set yes um and, and again, that was a really long time ago. That was yeah. like 10 years ago, um, or maybe eight years ago or something. Yeah. Um, and it's now we are able to talk about everything. We, uh, again, don't really talk about like bodies that much. It just doesn't come up in conversation. It's not like we like avoid it. Yeah. It's just not a subject that we're interested in really talking about. Um, yeah. but Something that you said, again, that I thought was interesting 
is the wisdom that is gained through time. Yeah. And I have seen a huge difference in you specifically like over the past like four years. Yeah. Definitely over the past year. Yes. In terms of your mindfulness. Yeah. And the amount of wisdom that you have gained. Yeah. In that world, in that realm, I think it has a lot to do with like reading. Yeah. I think your Ashtanga yoga practice is yes. huge. Yes. Um, yes. So, so just a little bit about what triggered what Ash, uh, what Ashley was just shared. Last year, my position was eliminated. So, losing a a position, you know, in an organization that you had been for twenty five years was a big shocker for me. And over the last year, I, I have to say that what I've done is I've dedicated time for myself. I've dedicated time for my own development from from health standpoint. I've always been relatively healthy, mm-hmm. but I had not done exercises since ballet, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. No, I might have done a gym okay. uh, a class here and there, but yeah. really, I had not done uh, exercises for a long time. So, I through Ashley, I was recommended to a wonderful yoga teacher, and um, who happens to also be a psychotherapist and um, and also incorporates meditation and mindfulness into the practice. So, I've spent the last year doing that, doing my yoga practice, my mindfulness, 20 minutes of meditation. And I have to say, it's probably the first time that I've focused on myself in a long time, mm. not forever, but in a long time, yes. just just um, to take care of both of my personal uh, well-being, as well as my uh, health. Yes. and uh, my uh, my mindfulness practice and and some of the things some of the projects that I did right before the reorganization were with people who also believed a lot in that mindfulness practice so being around a team that that believed in that we actually incorporated into our work yeah and in between the meetings that we would have every day every single day back to back you'd look at my calendar there was no space to breathe we would sometimes incorporate a one minute mindfulness and it made a huge difference yeah. so so I, I believe that when you start that if you're going to take care of others and this was something that i that i've that i've recently um not recently realized, but um, actually done something about it, mm-hmm. that if you actually, that you have to start by taking care of yourself before you can take care of others. Mm-hmm. And um, if I had had the wisdom that I have today around that and recognize that you have to be patient in, in, and um, adaptive in dealing with people that are different you know particularly your children which like children are always like children, lesser lo- learners lo- yeah, lesson you'll givers, have yeah. those that are different those that are the same mm-hmm. and so uh, adapting and recognizing that there are those differences and having uh, the patience to be able to 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 deal with that um, might have might have changed might might have helped at the time as you were growing up yeah so since you were in that go 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 mentality yeah. It was very difficult, um, but I think now we know that 
it's kind of like that's why we meditate that's why we do mindfulness to be amongst the chaos and be calm to be present to be present through it like Pima Chodron Pema Chodron says um you are the sky and everything else is just the weather so you are the thing that holds your emotions the chaos the craziness but you are stable throughout that due to obviously hard work through mindfulness and meditation um and and things like that i also wanted to talk to you about perfectionism Uh, and what you have learned about perfectionism because that's something that i still have and struggle with um not necessarily that i struggle with it but i think that if you are a perfectionist or a recovering perfectionist that it is very hard to get over that because you believe that in order to be worthy in order to be seen or loved or whatever that you have to be perfect so you have to look perfect everything you have to do is perfect and that can be a setup for failure because or hurt because perfectionism doesn't really exist right uh so that's just something that through my own daily life i'm aware of because i don't want to push publish on a post or you know um, show something that I've written or an artwork or something or even food sometimes like if it's not perfect yeah. but I remind myself like it's done it's good it's good enough I did my best and yeah. that's what I've really learned like if I just do my best that is perfection right you know yeah well that's always been my worst enemy from yeah. the time I, that I can ever I had any conscience and I, I think I was born with it. Yeah. And honestly, I never remember my parents, uh, my mom or my dad, ever uh, asking me to get A, so that never. Uh, so I was literally like that from the time I was little. Yeah. Well, Paki says that that you would she would have to tell you to go to bed. Yeah. They you were studying all the they time. They would have to stop, uh, shut the lights out. Yeah. And uh, and so that's my journey. Yeah. You know, understanding that um, that that I that can be my worst enemy, and um, and and being comfortable with whatever outcomes happen, and not think of it as performance, but it's something that you can enjoy, and for in the moment that you're in. Yeah. That, that's my journey. I'm not there, and. You know, I don't know that it'll ever be, but it's it's the journey. But what matters is that you're aware of it. Yes. Now, you know, that's really... Do you remember what it was that kind of made you aware of that? That it's easy for us to fall into that trap of perfectionism? I think it was... A lot of it was you, Ashley. And this is what's beautiful about children. And that they can teach you so much. And you have taught me a lot. You gave me that book from Brene Brown to... Um, the Gifts of Imperfection. The Gifts, the gifts of Imperfection. And, um, and, and, and so in her work, the work of Brene Brown and the work around vulnerability mm-hmm. is, um, has, been, has been very helpful and, and influential in being aware of it, of of um, the the impact of uh, that perfectionism can have in your life. Exactly, exactly, and that's and that's really important. And it also has to do with control. I think mm. the fact that yes. even yes. me, yes. I try to control everything, yes. like the time, the planning, my schedule, what I'm going to do, because that control gives me the illusion of safety. Yeah, and uh, I can be very Type A. And very 
controlling, not necessarily to like other people, but just like within myself and within like my boundaries and, and things like that. So what are some lessons that you've learned about control um, versus like, I always say that the opposite of control is trust. Yeah. So that's been another really important lesson. I know for me to learn that if I just kind of trust, like I can either be in the space of control or the space of trust. Mm -hmm. So does that resonate with you? I think it's, uh, yes, I think that's a big part of it. And also the fact that you got to let go. You got to learn to let go. And, uh, and that, there's there's only so much you can actually control and yeah. <laughs> uh, or influence and so there are moments when just learning to let go mm-hmm. uh, has has uh, has been probably my biggest learning and learning to like have faith and have faith yes in yourself and trust and, trust. and myself kind of, and others yes. yeah kind of kind of the the same thing and how would you say that what advice would you give to mothers now yeah. that have daughters? And this is something I think about all the time, um, just because I'm inspired by the fact that we have, that we are best friends now and we love spending time together. And, yeah. and like, we really do genuinely yes. love being with yeah. each other and spending time together. Not only just like doing mindless things, like we have deep conversations all the time. We text each other right. We're excited for each other. We sh- we share a lot of things together, yeah. and I'm inspired by that fact. So, yeah. what would you tell other mothers in it specifically about food and and bodies um, I think for their we, children? I think we touched on 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 some of these things uh, during the conversation, and there's a few that I would in closing I would suggest number one you really do have to take care of yourself and you have to be able to understand and adapt to the perspective that will be different Mm -hmm. from yours Um, and and also that you know you can only you, you can you I think the teaching part is also very important. Yeah. Why, you know, giving a little bit, spending time mm-hmm. with your child about why things are, you know, why why things are, just giving a little bit more background mm-hmm. um, and also talking a little bit about consequences. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what are the consequences? So really, um, I think, you know, taking care of yourself, being adaptive and patient mm-hmm. with the situation and spending time in having the conversations about um, about the why and, and the consequences. Mm-hmm. Those are all super important. Um, and I think about that. Um, I don't like, you know, I don't know if I want to have kids. I'm kind of like, could go either way. Maybe it's just the time in my life. But that's something that I think about specifically if I have a daughter the way that I would kind of navigate that situation just because it is so touchy. Yeah. So I think that was a great conversation. Yeah. I kind of want to switch over to do my little quick fire questions, which are just little easy questions. All right. What's your favorite fruit? 
My favorite fruit? Your strawberries. Favorite? Strawberries? I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, vegetable? Oh my goodness. That's a hard one because mm-hmm. I love almost all the vegetables. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I really lo- I, I love them all. And particularly now that I've, you know, that when you roast vegetables, yeah. it can be broccoli, it could be Brussels sprouts, it could be cauliflower. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's a hard one for me. Yeah. Um, would you say broccoli? Uh, yeah, or corn. I, I, yeah, it's hard. I yeah. don't know. Um, what is the greatest lesson you've learned throughout the life, throughout your life? Um, being, being present in the moment and, um, and, well, you asked me one thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but letting go is the other one if you were to ask me for two. Yeah. And one, I'm really interested in the subject of relationships. Um, so what's, this is something I'm going to be asking all guests because as humans, we're surrounded by relationships. What is the biggest lesson that you've learned or that you could tell the listeners in regards to relationships? friendships or loving relationships you said something to me the other day that was really powerful that I thought about which is well I don't know if this will be your answer but you told me that you have to accept people for who they are yeah and I think that's something that you're really good at yeah because I kind of get annoyed by people's yeah faults still sometimes. yeah and and I, and I think it's also part of the journey that I've been on mm-hmm. over the last couple of years both with the team of people that I that I worked with as well as uh, the journey around um, yoga and meditation and that is um, not to judge yeah, you you yeah. don't know, um, and this isn't just for mother children, but mm-hmm. with individuals in general and with relationships in general, you don't know what may be happening in that person's life that can be dri- that that are is driving them to do things a certain way. So I I would I would um, I, I think that's been one of the biggest learnings for me is not to judge to have empathy yeah to have empathy and to and to accept people for who they are each of us has things that are wonderful and there are things that you know maybe are not as wonderful yeah and um and you have to look at the person holistically you know for what they bring to your life exactly Uh, there may be people where you actually have make a decision that you don't want to make part of your life yeah but particularly for the people that are uh, in your life your your family and and close friends i i certainly have um learned to in my relationships to really see the good that they bring yeah and that's something that you've really taught me because you have friends that you've had forever oh my goodness and yes. like you guys still talk like a lot you yeah. know like you yeah. really do keep in touch yes I do. but you've really taught me like i said i get annoyed by people easily and i'll be like oh they did this or they did that and you've always told me like chill out <laughs> they've done like look at all these other good things like you definitely aren't perfect you know i know i'm not so that i have my faults and so we have to take the good 
with the bad because the bad's always going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Un- unless sometimes, yeah. you know, unless the, toxicity is too much, right. you know? Yeah. And, and, and then you set your, your boundaries. Exactly. There, right. Exactly. With that, with that relationship. Now the last question, yes. which is something that I'm really curious about in general, if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? Oh, a tortilla with frijoles. And <laughs> <laughs> Simplicity, yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, the the salsa. The little... The, the, the salsa, little tomato with oh, pico de gallo. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. And cheese. Yes. That's it? Probably, yeah. Or pizza. Oh, okay. I love pizza. <laughs> I'm thinking about mine. It's like five courses. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mama, for, for taking the time it's, to be it's here. It's been a great journey. And, um, you know, if, if any of, of the people that are listening to this webcast get... Um, uh, you know, have have le- if there's anything to leave with, uh, you know, from this conversation is that um, you know being positive in your life and um, and really looking at life with curiosity uh, and acceptance and believing that you know for the most part there's good in the world. Um, and you have a lot of gratitude. Yeah, in I general. have. A, yeah, you really have a, do. Yeah. Like, I'll complain to you about stuff, and you'll be like, you have legs. You (laughs) know, like, be happy. You have a working body. Yeah. So, again, thank you for being here. Thank you for for being vulnerable about our story. I really think that it's really needed in the world, and I hope that you come on again soon. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And thank you to all the listeners. (laughs) Love you, Mama. Bye-bye.